Welcome to the official podcast for Triumvir Clio's School of Classical Civilization. I'm Beth, a.k.a. Triumvir Clio. Hello again. Welcome back. I hope you're well. I'm glad that you're here. Today we have the fifth of Terence's six plays, which means we are nearly done with the surviving Roman comedies. I've been debating about whether to finish the Roman epics before starting Roman tragedy, but really and truly there are so many, <laughs> so many episodes to cover all of the epics that I think I will start Roman tragedy after we finish uh, Roman comedy, but I'm guessing that whatever comes next, you're along for the ride. At least that's generally how I consume my podcasts. So today we have Terence's Formio. It premiered in 161 BCE when Terence was 35, and you may recall from our first Terence episode that he died around the age of 35. So we are nearly at the end of his too short career. It is based on a Greek play by Apollodorus called, let's see if I can do this without totally butchering the ancient Greek, Epidikazomenos, or The Petitioner. Terence opted to rename it after the character Formio, much easier to pronounce. I am working from the Douglas Parker translation from 1970, Fair Warning. If you thought Terence had complicated plots, well, you ain't seen nothing yet. <laughs> the cast consists of a slave named Davus and his BFF Geta, um, who is a slave owned by one Demifo. Demifo's son is Antifo, and Demifo's brother is Cremes, and Cremes' son is Phaedria. Formio, our titular character, is described by Parker as a man about town, but he basically falls into the stock character of the parasite. Hagio, Cratinus, and Crito are three lawyers. Dorio is the neighborhood pimp. Sophrona is an old nursemaid. And finally, we have now Sistrida, who is Cremes' wife. The play is set in Athens. All three upstage entrances are used as houses belonging to Demifo, Cremes, and Dorio. As usual, the side entrances lead to the harbor in one direction and the forum in the other. So with that, buckle up because it's going to be a bumpy ride. play opens with a typical Terence prologue, taking stabs at his crit critics and taking stabs most specifically at one Lucius Lanuvinus, who accused Terence of plagiarism. It, it has nothing to do with anything in Formio, but it is delightful. The prologue eventually gets around to the point and introduces the play, begging the audience to pay attention and listen, unlike what happened in that first production of Hikira. The prologue exits, and the play properly begins. Davos enters. He's come to repay a loan he owes his friend, Geta. No big deal. He has the money. Davos has heard that Geta's master's son got married, and that's probably what the money is for. Geta enters looking for Davos. He, of course, finds him immediately. Geta unburdens his woes on Davos, and we get the whole backstory. Demifo and Cremes both had to go abroad. Cremes to Lemnus on business, and, uh, sorry, 
I broke Creamy's twice here. Creamy's goes to Lemnos on business, and Demifo goes to Kalikia to visit an old friend who said he had a sure deal that would bring in mountains of gold, probably some sort of pyramid scheme. Anyway, the two men went off and left Geta in charge of their sons. First, Geta was determined to be strict with them. But, you know, it's hard to be a slave and be strict with your masters who can beat you if they don't like what you say. So Geta decided to save his skin and just let the young men do what they wanted to do. And they both went off and fell in love with women who were most unsuitable. Phaedria met a musician, a young woman owned by the worst of the worst pimps in town. You can probably guess who. Dorio, of course. Creamies was smart enough not to leave Phaedria an allowance, so all Phaedria could do was walk the young woman back and forth to her music lessons, which she did every day. And since Geta and Antifo had nothing better to do, they'd tag along. As they were hanging out, waiting for the music lesson to end, they met a young man who shared an absolute sob story. This other young woman has lost her mother and has no other relatives to help with the funeral. Again, having nothing better to do, Ged and Antifo decide to go see if they can lend a hand. And wouldn't you know it, Antifo fell in love with her and decided then and there that he would marry her. The problem, of course, is that the girl is penniless, but it's okay. Formio came along and came up with a plan. The law says that female orphans must marry their next of kin and vice versa. And so Antifo got married. Uh, oh, sorry. So Formio took Antifo to court and charged him with being the young woman's next of kin. And so Antifo got married. <laughs> Davus, who really exists in the play only to hear the story, says farewell to Geta and exits. Geta delivers the money into Demifo's house and then exits to the harbor. Antifo and Phaedria enter from Demifo's house discussing the difficulties of their love's lives and debating over who has it worse. Geta runs on. He's just seen Demifo at the harbor. He coaches Antifo on how to explain his marriage. Antifo didn't want to get married. He was forced to by the law. But Antifo loses his nerve and runs off toward the forum before Demifo enters. Which, of course, is the next thing that happens. Demifo enters. He's heard about the marriage and he isn't happy. Demifo talks to himself and Geta and Phaedria provide a running commentary. Eventually, Geta shoves Phaedria forward to greet his uncle. Phaedria provides the story that Antifo was just doing what was required by the law. Antifo behaved most properly at court, but the jury determined that he was the next of kin, so he had to get married. All right and proper. Geta decides that it's safe to join the conversation. Demifo is still insistent that Antifo could have just provided a dowry so the girl could marry anyone, but Geta points out that Antifo has no money, and who would give credit to a young man whose father is still alive? Demifo can't argue with that, so instead he demands to see Formio. Phaedria exits to fetch Antifo, and Geta exits to fetch Formio, and Demifo exits into his house. Formio and Geta enter, discussing how they're going to talk Demifo down. Demifo enters, followed by all three partners in Hegio, Cratinos, and Credo, attorneys at law. Formio reasserts the case he presented at court, and the three lawyers provide comic relief. It's a long scene. It is very funny. <laughs> and as far as the plot is concerned, the key point revealed is that Antifo's wife's dead father's name 
is Stilpo, and Demifo has no memory of a relation named Stilpo. Remember that name, Stilpo. Oh, and Demifo offers to pay out the minimum dowry to annul the marriage. Formio says they can hash it out at court, and he exits. Demifo asks, Demifo sends Geta to see if Antifo is home yet. Geta exits into Demifo's house. Then Demifo asks his team of lawyers for advice, which turns out to be less than helpful, and then the lawyers exit. Geta enters and says that Antifo is still out. Demifo exits to the harbor to wait for his brother. Geta is preparing to exit in search of Antifo, but he doesn't need to because Antifo enters. He grumbles to himself about how unfair it is to be treated this way just because he tried to rescue a girl who had nowhere to go. Geta fills him in on the previous scenes. Phaedria and Dorio enter from Dorio's house. They don't see Antifo and Geta. It turns out that Dorio has sold Antifo's sweetheart to a captain with the deal to be sealed tomorrow. Phaedria begs for three days to get the money together to buy her himself. Eventually, Antifo and Geta join in. They manage to wear Dorio down, but on one condition. Phaedria has to get the money together today before the captain arrives tomorrow. So if he can buy the girl first, then, then she's all his. Dorio exits into his house. Phaedria bemoans this turn of events. His friends were supposed to pay back for dinner, but that wasn't for three days. So how is he going to get the money before he can get it from his friends in three days? Antifo beseeches Geta to come up with a plan. And clearly, there's only one person to turn to now. Formio. Antifo exits into Demifo's house, and Phaedria and Geta exit to the forum to find Formio. Demifo and Creamies enter from the harbor. The business Creamies had in Lemnos? He'd gone to fetch his daughter. Yes, Creamies has two families, one in Athens and one in Lemnos. And I bet you already can see where the plot is going to go from here. Turns out his second family had come to Athens to find him. And Antifo getting married has just put a wrench in the works because he'd planned to marry his daughter off to his nephew, all the while keeping the fact that she's his daughter quiet from everyone except Demifo. Demifo promises that he's working to annul the marriage. Geta enters. He tells the audience that he found Formio, and Formio is happy to help. Geta has now come in search of Demifo so that he can take him to talk to Formio, and that's when Geta discovers that Creamies is home too. Antifo enters from Demifo's house. He's surprised to see both his father and his uncle and stays hidden in the doorway. So on stage, we have Geta on one side and Antifo on the other, both having seen Demifo and Creamies, but not each other. And Demifo and Creamies are unaware of anyone else on stage other than themselves. But not for long. Geta finally steps forward to greet Creamies. Geta explains that Formio has decided to help them. He'll take Antifo's wife off their hands, but only for a dowry of 30 mine, which just so happens to be the exact sum Phaedria needs to purchase his musician from Dorio. After much explanation and persuasion, Creamies agrees. Creamies and Demifo exit into Creamies' house. Antifo confronts Geta, but Geta reassures him that this is all part of the plan. They're just buying time. I mean, you can't throw a wedding overnight, after all. You need at least, oh, three days? At which point, Phaedria will be able to get the money from his friends, 
and pay Formio back. And Antifo decides he's okay with that and exits to fetch Phaedria. Demifo and Creamies enter from Creamies' house. Creamies and Geta exit to the market so that they can pay Formio. And Creamies prepares to find his Lemnus family as opposed to the Athens family that he's already found. But before he gets a chance, Sophrona enters from Demifo's house. She doesn't see Creamies and soliloquizes about the trouble she and her mistress are now in. Creamies is surprised to see her. After all, she is his daughter's nurse. And if you didn't figure it out before, I think you might have figured it out now. Creamies calls to Sophrona. She turns around and is surprised to see none other than Stilpo. He shushes her and then quietly explains that Stilpo isn't his real name and that it wouldn't be good for his Athens wife to hear him called by that name. That's his Lemnus name. Sophrona explains how his Lemnus wife died and how his daughter has been married to the young man who lives in that house, meaning, of course, Demifo's house. And that's when Creamies finally puts two and two together. Okay, not really. The man is dense. At first, he thinks that Antifo must have two wives, which... Given Creamies' family structure, I mean, I guess you can't blame him. He has two wives himself. Sophronis sets him straight, and Creamies realizes that his daughter is married to his nephew, which was his goal all along. They exit into Demifo's house so that Sophrona can fill him in on the rest of the details. Demifo and Geta enter. They've paid Formio, and everything is going according to plan, or so each of them thinks. Demifo exits into Creamies' house to fetch Nausistrida. The news of the annulment would be best coming from a woman, after all, and Geta exits into Demifo's house to get ready for Nausistrida to come. Demifo and Nausistrida enter from Creamies' house. Nausistrida is happy to help. Creamies bursts out of Demifo's house. As soon as he sees Nausistrida, he realizes that he needs to speak carefully. He gingerly tries to explain to Demifo that Antifo's wife is Creamies' daughter without actually saying it because he doesn't want now Sistrida to find out about his other family. Demifo does not catch on, but he still goes with Creamies' tale of why the marriage shouldn't be annulled, confused as he might be. Now Sistrida shrugs and goes back home. Once she's exited, Creamies is finally able to tell Demifo in plain language that their plans for the marriage of Antifo and Creamies' daughter has already taken place. They exit into Demifo's house. Antifo enters. He's happy for Phaedria, but he's still sad that he's losing his own wife. Formio enters. He's bought the musician from Dorio and delivered her to Phaedria. Now he's come to arrange his marriage, or at least to pretend to arrange his marriage. Geta enters from Demifo's house. He's heading to Dorio's house in search of Antifo and Phaedria. Of course, he doesn't have to go far. He happily tells Antifo that he gets to keep his wife after all. Geta and Antifo exit into Demifo's house. Formio sees that this turn of events can allow Phaedria to just use the 30 mina he already got without needing to get the money off his friends. He hides to wait until someone else enters. Demifo and Creamies enter from Demifo's house. Formio comes out of his hiding place, speaking loudly about how he's on his way to get his new wife. In a somewhat lengthy scene, Demifo protests that he's changed his mind and is going to let Antifo stay married, while Formio insists that a deal's a deal. Demifo and Creamies threaten to take him to court if he doesn't repay the 30 mine. They grab hold of him, so Formio does the only logical thing. He calls for Nausistrida. Nausistrida enters. 
Formio reveals all. Creamy's his other wife. That Antifo's wife is Creamy's daughter. That Phaedria has bought his musician with the 30 mine. And now Sistrida, in addition to being furious at Creamy's, is quite tickled with Formio and promises to be his patron forevermore. She decrees that her son and her nephew will get to keep their sweethearts and invites everyone inside for dinner. They all exit into Creamy's house except for Formio, who exits in search of Phaedria. And the play ends. I'm sure this won't come as a surprise to you, but I want to talk about the women in this play. (laughs) I didn't mention that the musician whom Phaedria is in love with has a name, Pamphila. She is referred to by that name a handful of times throughout the play, but I I didn't bother to use it for two reasons. One is that I, I didn't want to throw one more name out there for us to keep track of, and two is that she never appears on stage anyway. Um, if she'd had some entrances, I would have called her by name, but she doesn't. We never, we never see her. I mean, at least Pamphla gets the dignity of a name. Uh, Creamy's daughter, that's what we know her as. Oh, not exactly. Uh, we also know her as Antifo's wife, but her identity beyond these relationships is irrelevant. Pamphla does get the dignity of being, you know, a musician. Um, but we see neither of these young women in this play. We meet the old nursemaid, um, who is, it, it is an amusing thing with Stilpo. <laughs> it's, it's funny. And we meet Creamy's wife. Now, Creamy's wife, now Sisterda, ooh, she's a juicy character. She is a stock wife mother character, but can you blame her? She is perfectly willing to do what her husband asks when we first meet her. She is a good wife. She seems to be pretty caring, maternal, a good woman. She's told to go and gently break the news to her nephew's wife that she's not going to be married any longer. And she agrees that the young woman is going to need someone comforting. She's going to want her mother and her mother's dead. So how about a surrogate mother instead? Now, Sistrida is a is a good, kind, caring woman, good wife. But Creamy's? <laughs> he is not a good husband. Which is what makes now Sistrida's last scene so delightful. She learns that he had a second family, and she's done with being the good wife. He betrayed her family, so she's going to take charge. And we see this reversal of roles, this shifting of paterfamilias, if you will, from Creamy's to now Sisterda. Not only in her total take-charge attitude, but in the fact that Formio finds a new patron to sponge off of, and it's now Sistrida. What kind of woman has a parasite? One who is done being second class to her husband. I love it. Because again, women don't have the status, doesn't matter how much money you have, to be a patron. And now Sistrida does. Um, okay, I should clarify that. Married women <laughs> generally didn't. There were some some impressive business women in ancient Rome. Um, but that's this is not history. This is this is a play. <laughs> 
Anyway, what's your favorite part of this play? Pop over to the blog and share. It's at triumvirclio.school.blog. The URL and maybe a link are in the show notes, depending on your platform. You can find me on Patreon as triumvirclio, and that URL is in the show notes too. In the next episode, we will finish reading Virgil's Georgics. Talk to you then. You can join the discussion of this and everything covered in this podcast by following the link in my show notes. And if you're enjoying what you've heard so far, please consider supporting the show with a monthly donation of your choosing, just like public radio. And please also consider giving a five-star review on your podcatcher of choice so that more people can discover the fun that is Triumvir Clio's School of Classical Civilization.